0: we've also been entertaining, but <coughs> and it's difficult to speak to this Morse Esh, type of crowd, because there are some who are somewhat beginners in his field of specialty, and some are a little more fans, and some a lot of fans, but he's been doing a good job of this for the next couple of years, that we know him. Professor Heimsober has been at Yeshiva University for over 20 years, teaching year in, year out, these subjects, one of which he's going to speak thinking about this evening about Yosef with the Egyptian background <coughs> based on what we know from the historical research that was done in recent centuries of Egypt, the documents that were discovered, and so on. And some of you who have been Yeshiva University students know of his reputation, some know his reputation for being a karate expert also, and he's been quite successful in that around the world. The Jewish Week had a whole page on him uh, a few months ago, but he was focused on the martial Arts field. But in any event, I'm just stalling for a couple of minutes. But we look forward to a continuing relationship. This is just another stuff that's over here as a party. Professor, I'm turning this over to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: taken in form by this story of Yosei. Starting with, um, starting with Ayesha's uh, case that he got by uh, P. Genesis 37.1, right through to 1526, we have this novella, which is what most scholars call it, it's long power, of the life and times of Yosei. The interactions with his family and the interactions with people of Egypt and people of the Middle East. And therefore the, the story is just part of the greatness of the seeking that are devoted to and the interactions that are devoted to is <coughs> tremendously in scope. Awful. So we're going to do tonight what I'm going to do with you tonight just because you, the few of the basic motifs of the story and then we'll emphasize some of the details and then get back to the question. What happens is like this. Here we have a boy who is born in Quran and died in while passing through Chaun. A perfect transitional man, A perfect man to Read lead our story from the Oros of Kena'an to Moshe, to encompassing all the culture of all priests and The fifth is the last of the holiday born, His brother Benyamin, of course, which means child of the south, the southerner, where you look east, the right hand of the south, the child was born in Canaan that was south of Quran, so that you're renamed, the of the next region, but the southern region, if you have not south. And it is your safe to move the to all of this problem. Let's um, discuss that for a moment. Mesopotamia, which is, from the Persian Gulf, to the Mediterranean Sea, the highland between Jura and the free, up to the Turkish frontier, the Syrian frontier a divide, down the Jordan across the northern Sinai, starting at basically Wadi el Arif, we begins to make the
0: The cultures of
1: Sumer, Babylon and Akkad are the prime system civilizations of that time. Babylonian custom, law, language are primarily the underpinnings of Saint Federation. And in the more detailed lectures that I used uh, occasionally uh, at this school, I think it is, we discussed those underpinnings. For example, the stories of creation, the stories of the flood, the, the various walk of the various interplay between armies, the various interplay between rulers, all give Seito Bereshu, right until this point that like Rashi would be finished today, a truly Mesopotamian undefeated. And to understand our roots of Renato, we must understand the Mesopotamian back. There is a desire by the clan. The genealogy within the Mesopotamian sphere. And therefore, even though Abraham and Yitzhak have come into Eretz Israel and has been living there for a long time, and there are girls within the clan that are living in Eretz Israel that could easily be wives for Yahweh, not only is he sent away to Haran to marry because of the fear of Asen. But also most likely if there was no fear of Asen, as everything has come, we would feel that he would be sent back as the chosen son anyway, to Haran to link up with the family again and to marry a Harani girl. The word Haran Okay. The word Quran means caravan stop or large road. And what happens is we have it in Israel too, we call it Anacharan Shari, which we call it the, the King's Highway. <laughs> and this is the central route of Israel, the middle. The word Kharan is caravan stop. And anyone who would be going between Eretz Israel and the Mesopotamian cities like Silmer, Atat, Babylon, and it stopped stop in color. And therefore the cultures of the entire Mesopotamian area would mixed in color. And all the major Semitic languages and dialects would again mix in color. And therefore Haran, meaning caravan stop or major people, was an extremely important place and a very highly cosmopolitan place where caravans originate, and caravans rest, and caravans terminate. The central claim of Terah, of Abraham, Solut, Palut, Iber, and other groups center primarily around Quran. and our tradition is one of northwestern Seminaries. And what happens is, Yaakov then leaves Quran and goes back to the land of his grandfather, learns his grandfather's customs, language, learns the genealogies, visits uncles and great-uncles and cousins, and has his direct research in their lives, and they directly can put into this. Yosef is born in the old time. For many, many years within the karate, I studied with the mainland Chinese, not the years and was attached to many very, very wealthy Chinese households. <clears throat> One of the things that those people would do, the wealthier up upper class people and very successful people, would take the children and send them back home, even though they stay here. Many times the parents would stay here, because this is the Take the children and send them back home to grandma. Ten years. In certain cases, they wouldn't see their children for 10 years or 11 years. Just by mail home, and by phone, by the business back home, they brought the kids back and forth. Because they wanted the kids to be Chinese. And because they wanted the kids to be within the family back home from where the business came. And so the children were sent home to China. In Taiwan Hong Kong, in some cases, were the big ones that were politically of the mainland. And so that each of the children who would later inherit the business were thoroughly familiar with language, dialect, culture, and the relatives back home. Of course, they had spent time there. And we see that our patriots did the same. And that is, Iago, when he comes back, and he refuses to call, and he deals with Allah, and he says this is gal and he gal Galay.'" then he, when he immediately comes back to the Eretz and the speaks him of Eretz Israel. he speaks Hebrew once he leaves his grandfather's house once he leaves the house of, of his mother once he returns to Israel he speaks Hebrew even though he is fully imbued with the old, he is back home, he is the son of Tzach, Tzach is an Israeli, and Tzach never leaves Israel. And here is this Yosef, who is currently born of an Israeli father and an Israeli grandfather, who now settles in Hebron. It is a very, very important ayah. Two. Let's discuss Yosef Hatsadi. Well, the Gemara 35 A, calls him Shadi. He is referred to as Yosef Hatsadi. And why? Nowhere in the text we have a statement that would say, And the Lord God spoke to to Joseph, saying, For the Lord God came to Joseph in a dream at night and said, And yet, Joseph's natural actions and his natural beauty and his natural righteousness are unreal. Unfortunately, when people see him, they are jealous of him and sometimes they hate him. Which is why he Meader speaks and says Yehuda is given the respect and everybody loves him. So he's given the malupa. Otherwise it can easily be given to Joseph. Let's discuss that for a second. There are people in the Bible, in Tanakh all over, who are generally Part and parcel of God. I'm not a theologian. I'm not a rabbi. However, I will tell you, that as, even as a professor of these people, a number of the major motifs within the story. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: and,
1: and, and, and and what happens is this: what happens is this. His body shines and he's listening, his face is lit up. The women are crazy, and they get him into trouble all the time. And the Midrash von recounts that Pajikar's wife invited all the ladies of the of the court and of the town to come and have lunch, and she gave each of them an esrog and a an knife, ay- and as they were carrying the Asrogan, she called Yosef in. And when he walked in, all of the women cut their fingers with a knife, because as she was reportedly supposed to say, you cut your finger you just looked at him once. I have to see him every day. This beauty, this inner life, this inner godliness, makes him as we said earlier, there are those people who, because of their essence, exude or are one with God. And therefore, that kind of communication outside one-to-one is unnecessary. And Kabbalistically and from the point of view of motif of the ancient Near East, this gentleman Exudes God's work all of the time. Physically beautiful, a genius, a managerial genius. Wherever this man goes, whatever he does, increase your Yahoo's seed. The Lord God increases this person and adds on to this person. If he goes to jail, he becomes more than everything. Wherever he goes, he becomes the manager. The boss, the guy that straightens the books out, the guy that sees the IRS for the boss, the guy that handles all of the stuff nobody knows about, he is this splendid creature. He has a problem. This splendiferousness causes him to be greatly envied by those people who see him. And it is this envy that causes him much distress. Throughout his career. And one of the reasons, as Iraq says, he is denied Malufa because of it. But, as ask, and yourself, is not denied. Again, he exudes this great, great righteousness. As an interpreter of dreams in the ancient Near East, this is extremely important. These have done a number of ways. This is what you do. You bring them. Then you go to the local prophet And... And they bring in a cow or a sheep, depending on how big the dream was and how much money is in the pot. They then slaughter the same, and then they cut the liver of this animal out. And they put it on the table, and then they look at it. Um, they see the veins and the configuration of the liver, and when they see something interesting, Right next to it, they place a model of the liver in the form of clay liver. And they divide the clay liver up into little sections. And they've got little flags. So they say, um, second section, upper corner, um, vein. And they put little flags there. I'm trying to look for a picture of of And then they, and, they <coughs> and then what they try to do is to get a series of flags in order and they have a configuration and then they take the liver they look at it they see the configuration of the flags and based on other livers which they have read have you read that liver yet? I haven't, great liver, read that liver be sure to read that liver and they then make a diagnosis of the dream. these animals and these livers were brought to battle before every battle. Mesopotamian kings and Egyptian kings took these livers around and brought them with them. Here you see the shape of the liver and that lump in the middle is the spleen floor you notice on there. And there is the hole. There are the holes in the center. And under each of the holes you will see a, um, a little bit of writing and that will tell you what the omen is when the vein in that area is too big, when there is a fold in the liver, when there is a discoloration in the liver, and since all of the the humors of the body and all of the um, um, emotional ties are in your liver, therefore when you have a dream, the best thing to do is to get an animal, put your hand on the animal's head, think about the dream, the animal, remove the liver, and read it. This will give you a sure answer as to your, huh? the upper one of my fingers, a sure answer as to all of your liver needs. But don't let that get you done if you're not a liver specialist. You can also do a sheep entrails if you like. And also, configurations of various birds. If you are good enough, you can simply estimate what the dream means and throw various kinds of chips or rice, or pur, or go out and find out what it is. But to be the kind of person who can see a dream itself and interpret it without this kind of omen, this is the highest level. And only one or two people, or three people in the ancient area, that little of Jose, a visionary, an interpreter of can be, can be uh, reached. And therefore, Jose plays a very, very important part. Right away, the kid is beautiful. Now, I, I, grew, up, I grew up in the Bronx, in a fairly rough know, 50 years ago. And if you were very smart, and you were very handsome, and you were a very good athlete. And you always got 100 on the test. You could take 12. <laughs> <laughs> and so what happens is, is that, is that this is Yosef's major trouble. And so he tells his brothers everything. And not only that, innocently, like I used to on my, tell a on my sister and my brother-in-law when I was young. Yeah, So he goes back and palatales on on his brother, and he is not popular. But Yaakov favors him, because it is written that he is me. Now we are going to stumble on, right now at this point, a very, very important motif that is in the Bible that doesn't really show up that much in the literature of the ancient Near East or Egypt that is the favoring of the younger, weaker son over the first If you are big and hairy, and you can fire a boat, and you can run down a venison, then chances are you are not the hero of our story. If you can barely lift yourself out of the tent, and that when you do lift yourself out of the tent, you are so pale that you have to be helped. And when you walk in the field, the only thing you do is vavimental. <laughs> then you are going to be a leader of Israel, shining light at a bento. Any muscles whatsoever, any physical <laughs> prowess whatsoever, any use of a weapon whatsoever, immediately places you on the back burner of history. system is a motif which is extremely interesting that all of us in the Bible listen. And is one that exists in ancient Israel. We search for it very, very much in the literature of the Hittites and of the Babylonians and of the Sumerians, another word, is the older son who by right and by law, the all Semitic law who must receive the first portion and the yoreh, and being an the Is there anywhere outside of Israel that this happens? And the answer except in one case, Hatashili the first passed over his oldest son and gave it to his younger son, evidently probably because the older one was incompetent. The thing happened the same thing happened, of course, it the same, Muhammad, and his father and his uncle etc. He became the king, and there's nobody left. We could really do it. But other than that, even to the point where the concubines' children, where Jacob's concubine's children, are are passed over, where the younger of one concubine is passed over over the older of the other. The same thing with regards to Shlomo Hemanah, but he is the king. The first point. What is this deal? In rabbinic theology, it is clear. The blessings of the tribes go on the order of the learning of Torah. Insofar as they are strong in learning Torah, then they are given the double blessing. Insofar as they are more physical, then they are given less. Early on, this occurs. And Yosef is given this status. First of all, he bends the queen. I want to discuss two or three things with this. I'm looking at this new piece of paper so I don't speak about something
0: else that I want to do. Um, what happens is the father. Let's talk about wives and husbands. I don't know if you are
1: coming in. Okay. Here's first wives, second wives, third wives. Okay.
0: Right.
1: What happens is like Many times the first wife, none of this, anything that I said doesn't do with any of (laughs) you. And the names have been changed to protect the innocent. What happens is, uh, many, many times, there is what we call the legal pedigree. There is the family, family A. They are very influential, very powerful, very wealthy. They They speak for God and in their ranks are are very famous business people, very famous gangsters, and very famous presidents. A girl is born to them. First of all, the servants watch the airport. Secondly, the servants are present at the birth of this The girl is marked by a band or, in some cases, by she is removed from her mother and given to the big wives and the nurse. 30 to 40 days later, I'm, I'm telling you some on this, 30 to 40 days later, the mother is committed to see her. She is then washed, like Shmuel Mishas Kisir HaMasavet, from Minahadrin HaMasavet, day and night, by large guys with big muscles who are not going to and she is her the personification of her body and who she is. She is legal air material. Meanwhile, 200 miles away, another part of the clan, there's another family family being. And they are very, very wealthy very powerful in the government and the social things, and they have supported these temples and the priesthoods members of the priesthood, members of the clergy, of course members of the king, teachers in the Maluka, and then the members of the army. And the servants watch them. And then, of course, that's recorded. And court, then a boy is born from them, and the boy is recorded and taken. And this boy is played by the star in As soon as the boy is born, a telex goes out from family A to family B. Dear Sam. I've just had a boy. Let's talk. Well, two guys get together over lunch, and while slowly drinking tea and talking about old times on the frontier, yeah, they bring up the fact that they've got two heirs, legitimate heirs, intercourse witness, birth witness. We have to get these kids together, so that we can have grandchildren who are legal heirs to our military. and the arrangement is made early on, right away, as soon as the birth Then the very strange ceremony occurs. Officially, each father adopts as their own child the other's child, so that my daughter-in-law is also my real daughter and Again, by versa. So that when Abraham said, my wife, my sister, he is not lying. He is, he is not lying. Because adoption in the ancient Near East is not like adoption today where the parents may be uh, deemed unfit by the court and then given to someone else for adoption or given up for adoption. A perfectly healthy family, with a perfectly healthy kid who lives with a perfectly healthy family, can be adopted by another perfectly healthy family for four or five different reasons. One reason is the one I gave you, that they are very, very important families. And in order for them to stay that way, it happens. Why is that done? To protect them against divorce and to protect them against loss of family power. If the death occurs, God forbid, or there is a divorce, they are still related by the adoption. The families will still do business irrespective of whether the kids are physically together or not. Relationships in the ancient Near East are extremely important, and Seto Boreship takes up a lot of those very famous cooking that this spoke about, Telling who is related to who and who is the son of who. So that we know the Chatkiva from the very beginning who we can do business with and under what terms and why. The genealogy is extremely important. Ezra does not leave Babylon until he finishes writing his genealogy. There is a tremendous amount of, tremendous rate of infant mortality. And the far kids don't even in the first two years. They call them Heyu, <laughs> and a lot of the a lot of the Semitic names that we have also are names that are later titles, as we say in Hebrew, Kishmur, Kehu, as his name. So he. But these are later titles. Abdiel, my big dad, Abraham. Well, we have it as a title in other languages. Is it a title or is it his name? And so what happens is that even names aren't given to later in life. Older children die quickly. Therefore, people would try to place a lot of faith in the young ones, especially in third one. Many times the first groups did not make false. There seems to be an intuition on the part of the others that whatever mistakes you make in the first one or two. You've ironed out by three or four. <laughs> oh, do I start again? <laughs> I have five. So what happens is, so what happens is, is that um, I'm, right, yeah, I'm a person of an <laughs> So what happens is like this, and that is, is that, is that, and the first one always has that that internal friction. Which the Ravanan does not like. Ravanan well, likes a more open, clear face, less military. Place. But doesn't this cause tremendous friction within the family? It's passing over business all the time? Answer yes. And that is done, we believe, to cause that person to be hearted and to see if he can handle something. Anybody who can take Ami Yisrael and weave them through history is going to have to get by his older brother's first. And if he can get by his older brother's first, he can get by anyone. And there seems to be this no truth that runs through. But we just want to understand that. It is all that we to understand. We don't have questions as a sign of Jacob's love, He gives to Yosef kutonet pasim, which means a kutonet, of course, we translate today simply a shirt or an overdone. Pasim, we translate today as a stripe, a bar, a ribbon, I'm looking at this thing, I can't Ah, there. And what happens is that kutonet pasim is mentioned really only one other place and you, you know it well, of course, Second Samuel 13, verses 18 and 19. And what this is, of course, the terrible occurrence in King David's household of his brother Amnon and Tamar, the rape, of course, of, of Tamar, and she flees after having been raped by her brother. She is identified because she wears that garment. And I went and I studied some of the ancient Near Eastern literature, the is fairly, fairly obvious in many, many places now, and I got the following thing. For such robes were the king's daughters, virgins, especially, apparel. Children dressed alike in nobility. I'm making notes of myself. Now, even European families, I, I don't have a, a Sephardic background, so you have to help me with this in the But in Europe, boys were dressed as girls in the, in the, in the privileged families. Boys were dressed as girls. Little, in these neuter outfits. Um, my father was born in 1905. I have pictures that go back that far. All the kids, male and female, are dressed in a chalut kind of, of general garment. The wealthier the families were, the more feminized the young boys are. Little female fyselics, long hair, big hat. And the the dressing gown, very lacy, very frilly. In the nobility in the ancient Near East, in the Semitic groups as well, they don't really allow them to be male until they reached almost bar mitzvah. Now whether that was a protection against the evil eye or against uh, people who wish to usurp the dynasty, we don't know. But one thing is for sure we have here the very very famous Beni Hassan tomb that has a that has a picture of 37 Asiatics as they came down to deal with Egypt. Here you see the standard dress. Look on top. In the tomb. In the tomb, the figures are one foot six inches high. You see it on top? Look at the garments that they're wearing. They are woollen putonets pasid. But as you notice, they have no sleeves and the Midrash says that the thing that delineated the garment of Joseph was that it was a full-length gown or robe and that it had sleeves. The gown itself was to the ankle and the sleeves were down to cover the wrist. Here you see the Semitic groups in their regular outfits, you see they are brightly colored with the twisted thread, and they are sleeveless and therefore a garment that would have these would be considered tremendously important and powerful. The fact that the virgins of the king's household under Melech David were dressed in these clothing indicating their purity Yosef Hatzadi, shining of face listening of body pure of action pure of speech and one with God will naturally have no problem wearing such a garment As time goes on Yaakov gives him more and more of these type of garments. In Japan, in China, in Egypt, it is extremely important that every time you receive a new title, you are given new lands, new wives, new uh, accoutrements, and a ring or a chain of office, we'll see about later, and you are given clothing. Even those of you that probably saw the Shogun program uh, on TV, every time he gets promoted, he gives an extra wife and new kimono. Right? So what happens is, is that this is extremely important. And therefore, this Kutonit passing is reflected in the writing at a very important time. He is a dreamer of dreams. He is a managerial wizard. He is a virgin of spirit and, therefore, the garment of divinity. All of these things, I would imagine, must have outraged the, the brothers to death. There is an article of clothing in the ancient Near East that we see mentioned in the uh, annals of Ashurbanipal and before him Ashurnasipa. And this article of clothing is called a Birmu. B-I-R-M-U, a growing on. A Birmu. A Birmu is, again, a woolen garment but it has, at the end of it a band, a pot is also a band or a ridge. It has five or six layers, which we call the three to five inch band. The Chaluk itself, the delavia itself is solid. But the, but the pot that runs along it has five or ten different colors that are intertwined, and that is very, very gaily colored, and is also called would be translated in Hebrew see? And we see that uh, um, Ashur-Nastapa, Ashur-Nastapa II, in his annals says that the 200 females, the 200 unmarried females of his court wore this garment. Later on in the annals of Ashurbanipal, he gives this garment as a present when he promotes the Egyptian puppet ruler, Neko, to that to be the vassal, to eat of the Egypt's vassal to him, he gives him this garment as a symbol of the trust between the two of them. And that is extremely important, again, the same way that upon the promotion of someone they really given these new garment. Let's talk about his righteousness. Here is a Pritchard Nation Near text, and we have the following. In this story, this is the story of two brothers, Anubis and Badis. This is an Egyptian story. Everyone in Egypt knows this story. We spoke about it in our lectures, in the part of lectures that we have. This is a very, very old story of two brothers who are, who are given the names of God. The younger brother is unmarried. He is a son. He is glistening. He is beautiful to behold. The older brother is a good guy, their parents are dead, the older one takes care of them. He works for his older brother, and he is so pure, the cattle speak to him, and they say to him, let's the to pasture number six, the grass is best there, and that's where we like it, and he takes them there, and so they eat the best, they look the best, and they have the best quality offspring, and the flock growing, growing, growing. One day, he's in the field and the older brother runs out of seed, double-meaning joke there, and he says, go back to the bin and pick me up a big jug of seed. Egyptian did some jugs at that time, have a pointed end, and around the top, and two loops. There's another joke there. And, it has of a humor <laughs> And And. Um, and sometimes, you know, the funny thing that's enough is that sometimes we don't know it. And you'll see the guy reading the Pokemon and say, they're sticking across the road to get to the other side and looks to the right. You know, and sometimes we don't sometimes we don't realize that what's going on in the, in the museum in other places is a diatribe against the king or something, and they're really giving it to him, you know. And you know, we, we just walk over, and take it to the city. But what happens is, is again, this was a good time story, everybody knew this. And the, uh, the older brother's wife, who is a very pretty lady, is doing her curls. You know, they, they, they shave their heads, to get themselves some gnats and stuff, and they wore the wig. And she looks out the window and she says, my goodness. Upon looking out the window, she sees her brother-in-law and she says, his body is glistening and wonderful, the strength of a god is in him. How much is that you're holding on your shoulder? He says, three embers of wheat, one emmer of barley. Then she said to him, How much is that on your shoulder? And he said to her, Quote, Three sacks of emmer, two sacks of barley, five in all. That is what is on my shoulder. And so he spoke to him. Then she talked to him, saying, Quote, There is a great deal of strength in you. Now I see your energy every day. May that sound familiar? <laughs> Well, British Museum 1860, but it goes back very, very, very early, the earliest time, I think, maybe the second period of time. Which is, which is a thousand years before we to another place that the book. Another place goes to around 1500, 1750. This, this is, this, when it doesn't get to Egypt, the story is a thousand years. Before. It is a standard. It is a standard. Oh. I should have brought the slides with him. I see where this group's is going. I know, I, I know exactly what we're talking about now. I don't know how to do it. Okay. How much is that? In three seconds, he spoke to her. Then she talked to him saying, quote, well, there is a great deal of strength in you. Now I see your energies every day. And she wanted to know him as one knows a man. Then she stood up, I think oh, <laughs> then she stood up and took hold of him and said to him, quote, let us spend an hour sleeping together. Explanation. This will do you good. Don't do it for you. Do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> this will do you good, because I shall make fine clothes for you which means you will be promoted. Because fine clothes and the giving of new clothes and new garments is a symbol of social elevation. Sleep with me on the horse's life. This will be good for you. Then the lad became like a leopard with great rage at the wicked suggestion which she had made to him and she was very, very much affrighted, and then he argued with her, saying, See here, you are like a mother to me, and your husband is like a father to me, because being older than I, he was the one who brought me up. What is this great crime which you have said to me? Do not say it to me again, and I won't tell a single person, nor will I let it out of my mouth to any man again, and he lifted up his load, and went to the field. And then he reached his brother and they were busy with work. The wife of the elder brother was afraid because of the suggestion she had made and she took fat and grease and became one who was like a woman who was criminally beaten and wanting to tell her husband, quote, it was your younger brother who did the beating. And so she does not light a light in the house and she does not cook food and she smears her face with her makeup and rips her garments and lays on the bed and when the comes home she says, your brother got more from the bin than that ember of wheat you sent him to the And the rest of that will have to be another time. But you see there is a motif going on here. Not? not to say that the story of Yosef did not happen in Pachachachach because whenever there are servants in the house Whenever there are strong men and strong women, the men are fair game for the woman landlord, the women are fair game for the man. It's an old, old motif. But, it is an Egyptian motif for one who is extremely righteous, for one who is extremely competent, for one who is like a god in his strength, like a god in his beauty, but does not use this beautiful face or body for his worldly advantage. And Yosef is this guy. So when the Egyptians know about this story, this is wife, and I'm sure later when he becomes head of the granaries of Egypt, he totally exonerated, he becomes the classic wronged Sadiq. In other words, at the time it's very, very dark for him. And he was thrown to jail. But in later life, building his reputation, probably the best thing that ever happened to him as far as the establishment of his reputation as Sun. And every Egyptian understands that because it's basic Egyptian literature as well. Okay? And again the use of the garment there uh, to be used as a uh, elevation. How Okay. okay. okay so do I okay. okay, now what happens is like this. Now let's talk about, so what happens is at seven feet he is sent by his father to take the flock to Doton, which is Dayton, Ohio. And the, uh, the funny thing is, is that, you know, the locketed hay in Hebrew is a, mitraimah, you see, Dotana. So we have both in the book in Dotana and DOTA. So the Americans, you know, Bible scholars, made Dayton, Ohio for DOTA, and Daytona Beach, Florida, for, for Dotana. You know, not realizing it's the same place. Um, but what happens is... Yeah, I'm not realizing this... I'll, now, what happens is... Uh, right. So, you'll say the same to dothan, to look after his brother's sheep. Now let me tell you something. The motif of the son is a person who cares for someone else's sheep. A shepherd who cares for someone else's sheep. This is again, Moshe Abeno being the shepherd of the flocks of his father-in-law, Nibiru. And the, the paradigm example of a great righteousness, again, is this guardian of the flock of his father. And he sends out to look and see how his brothers are. The minute they come and see him, they hate him right away. Now what happens is, what, I'm going, what we do in our business is the following. You tell us that the caravan of Ishmaelites slash Midianites pass through Dotai and pick up this kid the first thing that we say to you is, is this a really a viable route? Is this the way caravans go? And it so happens that it is exactly the way caravans go. As a matter of fact, going north, they we go Beit Veblechen, Beit El, a place called now and Lothan, and then on the way to to Syria. Here is in the blue line the very route taken by the caravan into Dothan. Dothan is here with my fingers. The red line would then be the route taken by the caravan after they leave Dothan to go to Egypt with Yosef, as you see. Here you have the journeys of Abraham and Yaakov and you see the lines are parallel because the patriarchs basically take the same line. If it is the line of the worship, exactly. It is the line of the watershed. And again, it is not until the Romans, with regards to architecture, where the Romans um, totally disregard the, um, the topography, and they make their aqueducts go over mountains and through, through valleys, etc. And where there's a valley, they simply fill it in. All other people, until the Romans, Basically, follow the natural configurations of the land, and therefore highways wind their way through the watershed areas, and wadis, etc., and the 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 crests, crests of the various mountains. And so, one of the questions that we have historically is: if he was sold at Gotha to a caravan of Ishmaelites or Midianites or Midianites who were traveling with Ishmaelites or whatever the combination is then is this possible? The answer is 100% yes. This is the natural caravan route as it would stop again through Bhutan. So also, they what would they be carrying? They would be carrying laudanum. <laughs> they would be carrying turquoise ground into a paste used for eye makeup. They would be carrying some of that beautiful blue tint of the murex off the Lebanese coast. They would be carrying the uh, balm of Gilead and all the different sands that were made for medical purposes, medicinal purposes, um, in the northern Canaan, And um, they, they would also be carrying fine woven uh, garments as well. And so this group of this group of, uh, of people would be on their way through Dothan and evidently what they would do is they would pass through the Beishan Valley. Later on when the Egyptians reconquer Israel, which we'll think about a little bit later, Beishan is a major important spot for them. They hook up the coast and they hook over to Beishan. And there is an Egyptian outpost in Beishan, very, very, very early, second millennium. And the Egyptians try to hold Beishon as much as possible because it is through Beishon that the caravans come. And therefore, caravan carrying these Ishmaelite midnights the will come through Beishon and down into the Zotah area. Let's talk about some of the titles. He enters the house of Far, and which we know is a title which is very, very, very common pare which means the Lord, that whom the Lord God has given actually his name is Nesomel which is exactly what we would in Ashkenazi, you know, is and, Nesomel uh, and that is and Patiphar, Patiphyara the Patiphyara basically the uh, Patiphar is an abridged or a located, um a form of um of And what happens is it's a very very common name, a very, very common title. And a very common title of the period. Also he is called Sara Kabakib, chief Cook. let let me let me just tell you two things about sheep cooks and cup bearers. Cupbearers and sheep cooks in the ancient Near East and in Egypt are not, have nothing to do with the kitchen. They have to do with the military and with the judicial system. I am cupbearer to the king. I am in the cup. It is like saying, it is like King David saying he is the footstool of God. He is not physically walking around with an upholstered back. <laughs> it means he is his emissary. He is his represented and what happens is the following some of the, a we know from the inscriptions of Ramses III the third was a person who was the head of the Supreme Court so these descriptions are are throughout also the destruction of Yerushalayim Rav again he describes this, this the tabachim he make a joke about that he is uh, 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 a but what happens is, and this has nothing to do with cooks also what happens is, the Chinese is that a grandmaster master of the martial arts is called Ta Shu a grandmaster master teacher is called Shere Fu Fu means chief cook so what happens is, the Chinese do the same deal the, the biggest grand master that they could consider is the chief cook. Well, because 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 it, it means the person that sustains something. Also, when you are a jack of all trades in English, you say, "I am chief cook and bottle washer for the camp." In other words, I handle all the affairs, and the cooking is always used on. And actually, actually him as a beautiful party actually means head queen in there. And it it, it, it has been a feeling of sustenance to sustain something. I don't I don't think he ever saw the inside of the kitchen in his life. Or uh, or that the cupbearer who has the dream You see, this is the thing. What when Joseph said to the cupbearer of the of the king, remember me when you leave here. That I interpreted this dream for. Him. <coughs> he knew that he had the ear of Pharaoh because he was one of the people who was the justice. Also, there's a Ramses the third. I just you. the third is, kind of is murdered. Uh, <laughs> there was a trial. There was a trial, and the judges. Two of the judges, by the way. Have Northern Semitic names, but they are called there The judges are called Kupfer. So there is there is a, a, a very very important play that's going on. Let's discuss just one second because we're running out of time, and there's so much to say in the different areas about like the historiography of the Jewish story, and I want to be sometimes <coughs> if you have any um, any questions to the follow. There are a number of interesting connections. First thing that we do is we look for a uh, picture. I, I knew it was not that. There's a picture. No, 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 no. Ooh, not moving. Not. I'm starting to get worried. I've been doing for a while. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Again, I'm a Christian preacher. Big headphones, like none of us. Don't be that. Just move on. Okay. So look. What happens is like. What happens is like. We're looking for a time where this whole thing could have happened. One of the things that we do is we try to find a setting. Nothing happens out of historical context. The there things are going on. Most scholars and people in the know try to put the period of the Hyksos, which we spoke about a lot in our lectures here as the background time for the story of this day, Something very, very interesting. You know, in Sefer um, Babidbar, in, uh, in Babidbar Yudimov, in the 13th chapter of Babidbar, verse 22, it says that Hebron was founded seven years before so on. Which is the Hissos They're referring to Hebron as Kirakaba. And they're supposed to mention that it was founded seven years before So There There's two major connections. One, why So on? So on is Ponix. You know it as great as the Golovstra city. It is the capital in northern Delta of the Kisos peoples who come here. Also, there is a seven year business again. Seven years.